It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello and welcome to your latest helping of Cop and Fracas. Now, times are tough at the moment, but we are braving up and still turning up. Uh, I am your host, Mush, and I am joined by two of the more calmer minds in the uh, Coppen um, group, I would say very much needed in a time where we're looking for answers. So, Ellis, we're going to be dependent on you a lot today. How are you doing, bro? <laughs> I'm all right, bro. I'm all right. Thank you for the, uh, for the opportunity to, for you to depend on me. It's all right. It's all right, man. <laughs> Trusted hands. man. Shut up, you squarehead! <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Ellis. And and a man and a man who was once trusted with with the government, the football club, everything, but slowly losing it. Mr. Mike, Mike, how are we doing, brother? All good, all good, man. We're still we're still alive. We're still cooking. That's it, man. Healthy and happy. That's all that matters. But um, yeah, let's uh, let's go straight into it because my head's still all over the place. Um, my uh, <laughs> a tweet of me trying to make sense of where we've got to as a football club within such a short space of time within a few months has become memed and all sorts. But look, let, let's break down the game that that brought all of these crazy emotions out of all of us, which was of course the Leeds game at a very weird Saturday night time of seven forty-five. Ellis, we saw something different. Uh, this weekend and that was Jurgen Klopp trying a diamond now I don't want hindsight to be 2020 here so before the game how were you feeling about both the diamond in midfield and then also Nunes and Salah starting up top together um, I, I was kind of excited for it because we saw it at Ajax and it was a very good performance at Ajax so um, going into this game I thought maybe we might get the same performance um and what we saw, and furthermore, we tried it a couple of years ago at West Ham, away from home, and was ironically in a bad, bad spell of form, and he actually played well again in that game. Um, so I was kind of comfortable with it, and we needed something, or we needed a shape where we can get a Salah and Nunes both on the pitch and close to the box as possible. So um, I think that was the most 
realistic thing that we could do. And um, Mike, I mean, ultimately, you set your formations up to kind of come up against the opposition that you're going to be presented with. Um, Again, without using kind of what the result became, how did you think that formation was going to come up against a lead side that was in a bit of a halfway house? I thought, I think a lot of people like Jesse Marsh and what he's trying to do with Leeds, but results are saying otherwise. So how did you think Leeds were going to fare against what Jurgen Klopp had selected? Yeah, I thought the plan was to control the game because you have Elliot and, and Thiago alongside Fabinho. And then when, when Firmino played number 10 against Ajax, he was doing a lot of midfield work. So I thought our plan was real, like ball possession, having a ball in their third, and then trying to get Nunes and Salah in behind. And I thought our plan that could work on paper. Look, the diamonds in speaking after the game, it just does it doesn't work partly because of the personnel we have in key positions of the diamond. So Thiago plays out on the left-hand side of the diamond. And one of the things we know about diamonds as Liverpool fans is that you need those midfielders who play in the two number eight positions to have legs. So when we played it in the 13-14 season, the three players that were trusted to play in a diamond on the, in the midfield number eight slots were Coutinho, Joe Allen and Henderson. All three nimble players, Henderson at that time, unbelievably athletic, quick, powerful runner. Joe Allen, nimble, good enough at covering ground, Coutinho very nimble at that time. Playing Thiago there and asking him to cover the amount of ground he had to cover, in hindsight, was a mad decision. But at the time, like you said, before the game, I think all of us looked at that team sheet and thought, there's a plan to beat Leeds here. This team is good enough to beat Leeds. But in reality, I think we fair, we found out it was a way more difficult path to give the person that we had in key positions. Oh, God. Yeah, man. And um, ultimately, <laughs> seeing whether it was going to be a difficult day at the office or not was was kind of unveiled literally seconds into the game as uh, Joe Gomez, who has had a really challenging time. I think uh, just the Liverpool players in general, we kind of hoped that the City game was kind of a, a clean slate for everyone to kind of pick up. But Forrest quickly undid that as well. And, and ultimately, Gomez didn't look up. He didn't look up. He didn't see where Alisson was. Alisson then lost his footing and uh, Van Dijk is so sure that Joe Gomez is not going to mess up this pass, like you would think, and so sure Alisson is going to retrieve that ball that he is also not paying attention to Jack Harrison kind of stealing in. So, Ellis, do you, do you think sometimes we, we overanalyze a goal like this, which is just a brain fart of a moment, or or is it that these are the kind of focus moments that when a team's playing well, they just don't concede? Yeah, I think it's the latter. Um, well, to be fair, it could be both, really. It could be just... Um, no, nah, I think it's the latter, man. It's just that if a Liverpool of last season, we will not not make this kind of error. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Joe Gomez would be so confident in knowing that he can take a touch, he can... You can take a few steps well, forward. Then. Ellis, I think I think the first thing, sorry to interrupt, I think the first yeah. thing, bro, is if Joe Gomez is confident, he doesn't play. I, I mean, this is a, a very basic thing you notice at all levels, yeah. is that when a player is confident, he's happy to pass with his weaker foot. Yeah. But yeah. he passed with his outside of his right yeah. foot. Yeah. And that was instantly the wrong thing. That, that just, exactly. That just shows you that, yeah, he's not really on it because of Joe Gomez of last season, or he didn't really play much last season. But yeah. Of where he's where he's on form, he, he's passing that with his left foot. And also, the technique because he uses outside of his foot, the ball's bending away. Yeah, 
So it's just the wrong technique in the wrong area of the pitch. So yeah, I think it's just because we're bereft of confidence currently. So that's that's the first error we're making. Then it just rickish. It just um, goes or it just carries on within the game. Yeah, because snow snowballs. Yeah, yeah a snowball effect. I was looking for the right. It was just a snowball effect across the whole game. Now Joe Gomez has started nervous and is rippled to towards everyone else. And now we have to try and pick ourselves up again. And and I think. The, the Allison slip and the Van Dyke not paying attention, it just is all a, a melting pot of Liverpool not being confident within themselves. And, and to show, it just shows that the team is not really focused at the job that we have to do. Yeah. And, and do you know what, Mike? It, it, it's a much bigger discussion here because I think all of us, and, and I think Liverpool fan base in general, sympathise so much with how much Joe Gomez's career has been stunted by unfortunate huge injuries that have staggered probably the most key years in a in a young player's development and regardless of what's gone before we have to judge him on what he is at the moment and and if we kind of start to tally up what's been happening this season I mean the Napoli game is is one for the ages but a, a horror performance against Forest a very silly mistake in West against West Ham that was luckily a saved penalty what what are we expecting now from Joe Gomez and, and and is it the fact that the moment Ibrahima Kanate is fit which he now is as he did play tonight in the Napoli game that we just need to move past a player who who probably won't hit the trajectory that he was once, once supposed to hit as harsh as that sounds yeah for me in terms of Gomez I just think He's ultimately a third or fourth choice centre back for a big club like us. And he's shown that what Joe Gomez has shown is that he has the ability to play like like he did against City, as he can reach those heights, but he can't reach those heights consistently, and ultimately that's what makes him a third choice centre back. And look, Gomez a few years ago was was comfortably for me our second choice centre back. He was the one I wanted to partner Van Dyke more often than not. You know, the recovery pace, the ability on the ball. But the the, the lack of playing time that he's had in recent years means that there are times when I think he doesn't have that confidence in his body or or in his, his himself as a player. So he'll make a mistake I and mean, then he'll go into his own head for about 10-15 minutes and you can visibly see players around him getting nervous that he's going to make a mistake. He's nervous he's going to make a mistake and it just this, this anxiety spreads around the team. Like when he made a mistake against Leeds I think we actually recover a bit better than we had done in the past. Against Notts Forest I think there's a bit of madness when he makes a few mistakes. He just he's just become this really anxious player now. Um and people who obviously who listen to Coppen will know I've got big, big stocks in the boy. I think he's a I do still think he's a really good player, but I think we are seeing at the moment, especially as he's been given a run of games, we've seen his limitations as a player in that. He lacks the concentration of the really top centre backs. He can get into his own head. And I think as a centre back, because you are going to make mistakes, and often when you make a mistake as a centre back, they're costly mistakes. And and, really... and the, the addiction of getting too tight to strikers, right? He gets rolled so much or he gives so many yeah. fouls away from just looking for too much contact, right? As a defender, you have to be like resilient when it comes to making mistakes because you know that when you make a mistake, it's going to be costly. You just have to get over it quickly. And I just don't think he gets over it quickly. And that's why I don't think he's going to be, unfortunately for us, anything more than a third or fourth through centre-back. And I think his mistake weekend is just part of like a wider few mistakes. I mean, just give teams so much encouragement. Like they come into the game thinking it's going to be like the 2021 Liverpool, 
you know, the intense Liverpool, and then it kind of does play against us. We make a mistake. The patterns of play in the game give them encouragement. Our lack of intensity give them encouragement. And yeah, Gomez's mistake and his mistakes this season have been like a symptom of a wider problem in that we just give teams so much encouragement in games. Well, I mean, this is a big, big thing. And I've, I've actually got it written here, which is that I've written here, Carragher highlights the constant counterattacks. And do you know what? He's spot on. When we watch Liverpool now, Ellis, it looks like Liverpool are defending three on two or four on three or five on five all game like one pot it can even be a clearance and Liverpool are defending it so what on earth is going on with us not just structurally but also like the intimidation factor we should have on teams with the quality of player we have that teams are so have just get so much joy against us and have so much belief whilst they're playing against us um this is a Good question because I've been asking myself this question since like a few weeks now. I, th- I think the the legs in Liverpool's in their field have gone so bad where their brain is telling their body that they can do something, but their body's not reacting to it. So, for instance, at times when teams think they can counter attack us, uh, Fabinho will stick a leg out, or or you know let's say a Matic will read the pass, a Van Dijk will impose himself on the striker. I think now we just, we're just always second to the ball, always second to the ball. I think it's more physical. It's a, it's, a, it's a lot physical, which now then leads into the mental. So now you're you're doubting yourself if you can get there. And when you doubt yourself already, you've already lost it. Do you know what I'm saying? So against Leeds, there was a lot of doubt in our game. Even the passing, some of the passing was so short because... The players were doubting if they can get this get this ball over ten yards, and it led to us making a lot of poor decision in our passing, and we was um a lot of our passes were being intercepted, and we was making so many unforced errors. And I think the counter attack is the unforced errors that we're making um, against these countless of times where the midfield are trying to just find the attackers and they can't, and bam, leads who have a lot of energy anyway. Are quick to counter counter attack us even against Forest same thing, um, so I, I I think it's the physical which is bleeding into the mental and it's, it's kind of affecting our games and we're leaving too many gaps in behind because again ultimately we don't have the legs to get back so yeah it, it's a lot of stuff man all at once is is not a good look man yeah and I, I mean Mike based on what Alice said as well look we've played we've played a midfield three we've played a pivot. Two, we've now tried a diamond. Is it just now that these the, these legless midfielders we now have, there's there's no system that can can hide that? Is that the stage we're at now? Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. I think no matter what formation we played, we've always, to me, looked like a team in crisis in that we don't know what. I don't. I couldn't tell you today what a Liverpool 2022-23 goal looks like. What is the plan? to score a goal? Who are we building this team around? Who is the main man? Because at times, Salah has been too far right and not really been involved. Nunes has come in and not looked quite in sync at times. And other times he's looked like the main man. It's just, everything just doesn't seem in sync. Like there's no part of the team, I think. We spoke, we speak about midfield a lot. There's no part of the team that's functioning as it should, in my view. I don't think the midfield has played particularly well. I think the forwards are scoring goals despite structural issues in terms of combination play and in terms of gaps between the front three. I don't think we're defending well as a unit. So, like, 
it's just it's just a complete mess in every single sense and it, it so many things have led to that personnel issues in midfield players injured you know players out of form at the wrong time just so many issues that just kind of like compounding one another um so yeah I think the midfield is the easy one because look the midfield is clearly an issue. Like our first choice midfield, if we're playing a 4 3 3, is probably still Fabinho, Henderson, and Thiago. Thiago and Henderson both over the age of 30, not in their peak years. Obviously, still, I mean, Thiago's still obviously a brilliant player. Henderson, slightly on a decline, still a serviceable player, someone that can still do bits for us. And then Fabinho, well off his, his usual level. So we're just in a position now where that area of the, of the pitch just has such a glaring deficiency for us that you could argue that we need two or three midfielders next summer. So I get it. I get the focus on midfield and I think it's obviously a problem area. But it's just so much bigger than that. Like Robertson's been out of form up until recently. Trent's not been on... Trent's quality on the ball's been completely missing this season. Completely missing. So I couldn't tell you it's just this one issue about midfield. I think it's I think it's so many issues. And that's, that's what worries me because I'm thinking there's not one... There's only like... The only encouragement I get is like Robertson's performance in the last two games and maybe Nunes or what he's been doing... I don't really see much to be encouraged about when I watch Liverpool these days. God, um, I I completely agree. And I think the big thing, like you said, is that the shoots of optimism needs to be based on something repetitive or consistent that you yep. can see. And, patterns of play. Yeah, and, and not just patterns of play, but also like you said, I, I want to see one player who plays well five games in a row. I haven't yeah. seen one player for Liverpool do that this season. The only one is our goalkeeper, which is a big concern because that means he's like having to play well every week. I, I think like that that goalkeeper we have, I mean, Alisson's now playing at a level where I think crazily, this is the best he's ever played in the worst season we've ever had. So yeah, it's it's absolutely insane. But I mean, you did highlight something slightly positive there, which was Andy Robertson. My goodness, it looked like I was watching 2019's Andy Robertson just fly up and down. Ellis, what? I mean, not that this team is capitalising on what Robertson's producing, but how good is it to see Andy Robertson just providing us that thrust that this entire eleven needs at the moment? Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Um, I was kind of frustrated against Leeds because we wasn't really using him well. A couple of games we haven't been using him well and he has been always available. Um, He was... He was possibly my man of the match against Leeds. Uh, he's obviously his strength, his enthusiasm to get down the left, his quality on the ball. Uh, he was the one that crossed it for Salah for the goal, right? Yep. Yeah, he was him. Yeah, so like you said, his 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 quality on the ball is ever present. He had a few, he had a rough spell last few months. Um, I think back of the last season, start of this season, where he was a bit a bit off the ball, but he has come back. He had a needed rest, and he's. He's one of the shining, or the only shining, him and Alice. Okay, let's say Alison and him and a half, the shining lights for this Liverpool. Um, yeah, consistent Andy Robertson is, is good for Liverpool. But again, if you've just got your left back and your goalkeeper playing well, it doesn't really bode well for the team. Do you know that doesn't saying? decide, that doesn't get you points, does it? It doesn't That's... really get you points, really. So um, we, we need everyone trying to get up to that kind of level. Um, and if everyone's up to that kind of level, it's a brilliant Liverpool team but having said that yeah he was he was decent against Leeds um, he was showing us what he can usually do so just more of the same really yeah I mean let, let's get back to some of the more 
deficient parts of our team. Now, Mo Salah did get a goal and him and Darwin played together. Now, I think I'm I'm obliged to kind of defend Darwin a bit here because I don't, I mean, you guys tell me if you disagree, but I personally think one thing that has completely flipped with Darwin Nunes at the moment is that he actually doesn't give the ball away almost at all when he receives it now. And his pass selection is good. And even today, he was driving with the ball and at the end of it, it was always a good pass or something like that. Now it's almost flipped where the the ruthlessness has gone in his finishing, but the ball usage has, has become really good. Um, and the whole thing of Darwin Nunes being a bit of a laughing stock on the ball, I think that that's... I'm sure if I if I were to kind of look at his passing stats and stuff now it would be night and day from how he started so what did you guys think what do you guys think of how Darwin's kind of acclimatizing now to being a more important member of the team Mike yeah I've been encouraged like I said he's been one of the few bits of encouragement I've seen in recent weeks like you know the big tobes can you see the veins bursting in my arms that's exactly how I feel (laughs) Honestly, when I, when he scores, it, it it means something to me. It means something extra special. Resiliencia, yeah. Resiliencia, come on, man. You know, <laughs> Jesus, come, Jesus, come around the corner. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> um, but no, like I actually think the least performance was probably his weakest in recent weeks, partly because of what we asked him to do that day. So I think against Leeds, he was doing a lot of like back to goal play, and that's not really him. I think Nunes isn't because of his size. People think he is his back to goal forward who can who try and bring players in and hold defenders off. He's not that. Nunes' game is very, very simple. Nunes wants to get in behind and take shots. It's as simple as that. Doesn't care about build-up play. Doesn't care about passing. All he wants to do is get in behind and do the business in behind. Like We've seen him, some of his best performances in this spell we've had. Arsenal away, what's he doing against Arsenal? Getting in behind. West Ham away, he's getting in behind, constantly getting shots off. That's his game, and I feel like Against Leeds, actually, we saw him try and play a game that wasn't really his. He did, he does okay, by the way. Like, he does. Yeah. He's probably... I mean, I mean, Mike. One one thing that he has improved on. You know how everyone t- we all said he needs a bit of refining. Well, yeah. if you remember, there were quite a few times he'd control it out wide, and there'd be two or three Leeds men around him, and he would like drop a shoulder and then like kind of fizz the ball back into the middle to Fabinho, who was a good twenty thirty yards away from him, and I was like, oh, okay. I think early Nunes doesn't find his way out of trouble there and does something silly, but this one looks a bit more of a in-sync footballer with the Premier League and the team that he's playing in. Yeah, technically he's more secure in those, little tight, in those tight spaces, which is good. And I think like against Leeds, it was an encouraging performance. It's just not... I don't want him doing the back-to-goal stuff personally. I want Nunes... I feel like, and I've said in, in the group chat, this team is now Nunes and, t- and 10 others. That's the way I see it. I feel like we need to commit to this guy He's this young forward we have. We've seen that he can score goals. We've seen that he's the sort of player that needs a, a high volume of chances, and that's fine. But he will score goals. We've seen that. Just build a team around him and try and accentuate his strengths. Try and get the best out of him. And I feel like against Leeds, even though it's a, it's a good performance in the context of like his teammates, it's not what I want him doing. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm encouraged by Nunes. I just want him to more, and, and we saw today in his cameo just like how dangerous he can be. Um, when he's running at players and he's trying to get in behind all that stuff. That's what I want him to be doing whenever I see him play for us. Yeah, Ellis, I don't think we've heard enough from you about kind of how you think uh, Darwin Nunes Nunes has been doing and and kind of how you see his 
to quote the pod this week, how you think he's, you know, his evolution has been since kind of coming in and whether you're optimistic or, or you're a bit cautious of what he's going to be for us. No, I'm always optimistic. Um, are we optimistic since we signed him because of the goals he scored against us? He's only young, he's only 22. Um, today, what I saw, obviously we'll talk about the game later on, but today what I saw was very encouraging because, like for instance, the, the pass across the box where the defenders just cleared it out, the touch, the drop of the shoulder to beat the man, the connection on the ball to cross it in, you can see that the coaching staff are working on his technique more. Um, even with the finish against Rangers, a very nice, lovely finish controlled. So he's getting a lot of training in him. He's getting a lot of... I think he's probably going to get that Firmino handbook. Like, obviously, what Mike said, that's not his game, but I think that's what they're trying to make him into. But not, not Firmino per se, but a mobile number nine who can hold it up and get in behind because at the end of the day, he's going to have to move centrally. So we've seen him play against Leeds. He played on the far left, and I feel that he was a bit too far away from Salah. We actually needed him a bit more tucking inside to, to accompany Salah. But yeah, the, the evolution is, is is something that we're going to enjoy. Um, rarely Liverpool get their scouting wrong. We can see that off of left foot, right foot, he can be devastating, lovely technique in the air, devastating. And flipping all he's quick, bro. He's absolutely rapid. rapid. He's absolutely rapid. So he's got the makings of a, a quintessential centre forward who can bag a lot of goals. As soon as we click, and the problem the problem he's had is that he's coming to a poor Liverpool side. That's the only problem he's had. And he's coming to a, a Liverpool side that's not settled. Had we been settled, the plan probably was for him to sit on the bench for a few a few weeks, just watch the way we play, introduce him, introduce him slowly. But because we need a result, we're just chucking him out of deep end. So he's kind of learning on the job. Um, but having said that, he's got seven goals this season. Um, people were people are laughing at him the first few weeks of the season. Obviously, that's all quiet now. There's, there's Ellis, no can you goals. can you tell us how many goals Gabriel Jesus has? Oh, that's interesting, Mike. That's interesting. <laughs> Jesus we're cooking, we're cooking, goals. boys. We're cooking. I'm, hey, I'm just quiet. I'm just a humble lad. I'm just a humble lad. I'm just, I'm just asking the questions. If funny, people don't want to answer, answer, answer my questions. Now, yeah. now, so, boy, suddenly now it's about good play, though. My yeah, boy, now it's about my boy up. Bobby got no love for that hey. for five years. Now suddenly it's about good football. Hey, now he's a link up. He's, he's sick in it. Now he's a baller. He's a baller. Apparently the team the team overall is better when he plays well. Oh, I've heard hey, that before. Oh. Weirdly, you heard huh? that? It, it sounds very system. They, are they calling the system yet? Are they calling? No, not yet. But when they do, <laughs> boy, I'll be there. I'll, I'll be there. But yeah, with with, with Darwin, man, we can see what he's gonna become. Um, I'm very optimistic. I'm very optimistic. I like him. I like strikers. Like my strikers, man. And I can but, see that he's. I mean, boys, all. I'm I'm also in the Darwin optimism camp, but this needs to work in tandem with. Mo Salah getting goals for us. We've put money into this. We've put commitment into this. We've basically, you know, restructured how we financially incentivize these players for Mo Salah to be remain in our club. How do we have a team that gets the best out of both of them together? Not right now. It feels like, firstly, I don't think there's a game yet where, well, recently where they've both scored. So it's always about Today. one scores. Sorry. 
Today's the only yeah, one. That, that's what I'm saying. Today's the no, Ajax. 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 Was it Ajax? Yeah, Ajax. Yeah. They both scored. Yeah. Oh yeah, because uh, thing Salah lifted the keeper, didn't he? Um, yeah. But but it doesn't feel like they're playing well together at the same time, right? It's it's like Nunes has a moment, then Salah has a moment, then Nunes has a moment. It doesn't feel like there's a click there. And something needs to click for both of them at the same time if this team are going to get anywhere close to the number of goals or number of points that we've had in in years gone by. So what do you guys think tactically Jurgen Klopp can do or or in terms of our approach to to create that, you know, that that connection between them? That's that's difficult. Ellis, I don't know what you think, but maybe return to 4-3-3, but then trying to get... combine and get close to Nunes. So when we played 4-3-3 before, I feel like Salah was too far out to the right. And you want inside right Salah, is that what yes, you're You want inside yeah. right Salah. And I feel like Salah is the sort of player that we saw him in his Roma days. He likes to combine with, with a big forward. Even when Origi used to play, I don't know if you guys picked up on it, but he used to like combining with Origi. Do you remember the goal we score against um, Everton? Uh, the yeah. Robertson header. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a little yeah. combination play between Rigi and Salah. I don't see why he can't do that with Nunes, especially if we're saying Nunes's link-up plays improved in the last few months. Why not try and get him and Salah combining more often? Because Salah likes to combine with players. He likes those one and two touches, give and go, in and around the box. That's what I would want to see personally, but I don't know what you guys think. I, I feel that um, Liverpool need to sort out that right-hand side of midfield. So you see the best of Salah coming inside. Um, if we look at what, 1920 when Henderson was pushing out to the wide, allow Salah to come in. I think that's where we will see the best of Nunes and, and Salah. Salah likes to, again, he likes to bounce bounce the ball off of his number nine, that little give and go. That's what Salah really thrives on. And I think that's what Nunes likes as well, because I know he linked up well with um, the right winger at Benfica. I was reading some analysis like when we signed him in the summer. So that's, again, that's what he likes to do. So I think until Liverpool sort out their midfield, um, we'll probably see it again if Nunes is either Nunes or Salah that they won't be linking up as as well as they can. Um, I think they linked up. They linked up in one game where it was, you can see that the you know the start of it, but until we get our structure right, we won't see that link up. I think I think the link up game you're referring to, Ellis, was weirdly the Palace draw. That first 30, 40 minutes where we were playing really well. Yeah. Was was when Nunes kept offloading it to Salah and then Salah would take a few men on and have a shot. And it just looked like every time we had a move, it was them two kind of receiving yeah, the ball. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think that's what we'll see more of then obviously whoever plays on the left, be it Jota or, or Diaz, they will have that space of being like a playmaker forward from that side, but then the main crux of goals will come from our right-hand side and central man. But again, like I said, until we can fix our structure and, and have the right centre mid holding the width, it, holding the width for us with obviously Trent and whatever, we won't see it as much. And I, I mean, my area of optimism here for Salah is today was an example in the Napoli game, but also the Ajax game and, and even aspects of our last few Premier League games, except for Forest, I'm not even going to count that as no one's coming out with any credit that game. Um, Salah looks like he's A, enjoying having the ball at his feet, and B, this past, this past two Champions League games, his passing has been really, really good. Mohamed Salah, this first half today, was, was basically a, a creative player for us. 
So do you think that that's an area that where we can kind of build as a team where if both of them feel like they need to be the goal scorer, it doesn't work. But if if Salah can almost do what, obviously nowhere close to the same degree, but if what Messi's kind of evolved to of, I need to drop off and use the ball rather than just being the final finish. Do, do you think Salah's kind of in, you, you're noticing a bit more responsibility of having the ball with Salah rather than being reckless with it? Yeah, I think Salah's trying to look after the ball more. He's trying to be a creative player. I think early this season, the, the creative stats were coming out and he was kind of like top in terms of his chances created and, you know, shot creating actions, all of those sorts of things. So from that perspective, I do think Salah's always been like an underrated creative player. But I think this season more than any other, maybe he's taken the onus to try and get the ball from deep and trying to make something happen. Um, and it, it's good for that that we have him doing that because Trent's not been anywhere near what we want him to be in terms of the quality on the ball this season. Robertson only recently has kind of come to the party. So yeah, Salah kind of getting into his creative bag and, 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 and trying to offer a bit more on the ball in that sense is, is really positive. And the hope is that he combines that side of his game that he's added or that he's kind of refining more and more. He adds, he combines that with the goal scoring because I always think you want Salah, who's our most dangerous forward still, even though I, I have like utmost belief in Nunes' ability. You still want Salah on the end of things more often than not. So I just hope that this kind of really creative side is kind of unlocked to his game. I hope it doesn't come to the detriment in terms of like long term to the detriment of his goal scoring, because that's what we don't want is for Salah to have like, a, given we've given him this big contract, you know, he is still in, in, in inferior, kind of our marquee player, our best player, all of those good things. What you don't want is for there to be a drop-off where he goes from being a 30-goal season player or 25-goal season player to probably like 15. We don't want that to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, look, ultimately, when you're paid 350k, you kind of have to be both, bro. So um, that that's uh, something he's got to kind of take on with, with the amount of kind of responsibility we put into him as a club. But... Let's uh, take a turn for the worst again, boys, because um, as much as we've found reasons to kind of look forward to things, Liverpool Football Club did not win that game against Leeds. And it saw an end to Virgil van Dijk's very infamous unbeaten run in the Premier League at Anfield. Um, And I guess it started, or at least some fans are aiming it, um, starting off when... Jurgen Klopp brought off James Milner. I mean, brought off Trent Alexander-Arnold and brought on James Milner in the 79th minute. Now, Trent's been coming off regularly. Um, doesn't look happy about it, but like you guys have been highlighting, I don't think he's playing well enough to have any ground to stand on about staying on the pitch. But we we did start getting very sloppy that last 10 minutes. Overhit passes, sloppy touches, um, Ellis, what started happening that last ten minutes that flipped this game on its head? Well, do, this is going to sound so simplistic, but I just think Lee's just had an extra gear to go, and we didn't. We didn't. That last ten minutes, they were just over overrunning us. They were really overrunning us. Um, I think we couldn't get out, bro. We couldn't. We couldn't, man. Every time we tried to get out, the ball was just coming back. Our concentration levels started to dip. Um, we was always lunging in. We was, the whole game, the whole game. What really annoyed me was we was always second. We were always losing second balls, and it seems like Leeds had about twenty-two men on the pitch, just 
because we were just losing those second balls. Um, the number of times Thiago gave that ball away. Oh, exactly. he, I mean, he was getting angry with himself. Exactly. He was slapping his own head. He was slapping his own head. And <laughs> you can see that he was getting he was getting so frustrated. Um, yeah, so I just think that, yeah, we just lost our concentration. Energy level started to deplete. We wasn't winning the second balls. We wasn't even fighting for the first balls. I mean, we were talking more on the goal, but that the goal that they scored... If you see, I think the ball bounces in front of Van Dijk. And he's just either scared to make a challenge so he doesn't want to give away a penalty, so he doesn't do anything. And Summerfield has a chance to um, to put away. Even prior to that goal, there's a chance where the ball just goes past Jones. Uh, I'm not too sure who took the shot, but they, they kind of, I think, yeah, it was Bamford. Bamford was through on goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First touch. It was down. just a terrible touch, took him away from goal. A touch, yeah, that just took away from goal. So we caught life there, but then the second time, you know what I'm saying, football goals didn't really allow us there. So, yeah, it was just just a lack of concentration, a lack of energy and a lack of grit, a lack of fight. Usually you see Liverpool 90, 85 minutes if it's a draw. We're the ones attacking and we're the ones trying to get the goal, but uh, against Leeds, it wasn't, it wasn't so, man. Do you know what it is? Liverpool is really bad at coming from behind in games. So, like, whenever Liverpool have been level in the game and there's, there's a chance to chase the game, Liverpool have been so, so bad. We, even in the, since the last international break, we have two previous examples of this. We have Brighton, where Liverpool come from behind and draw level, I think, on three occasions. And whenever they get level, you never get the sense they're going to take the game away from Brighton. Like, at any stage, you don't think they're going to, like, kick on. There's the Arsenal game where it gets to 2-2. Against the run of play, and you're thinking, okay, they've got an equaliser here. Let's try and see if they can kick on. After they go 2-2 against Arsenal, they create nothing of note. It's, a, it's one of the most disgraceful performances I've ever seen. We make Arsenal in that game the Emirates look like Man City in the final phase of the game, where we just kind of seat out with ease and they get the penalty, obviously, which is a dubious penalty. I think, I think it was a penalty. They get a penalty to win the game and deserve to win the game. And here against Leeds as well, we go 1-1 against Leeds here and there's not any sign that Liverpool are going to try and take the game away from Leeds. Partly because they they just don't have the physical capacity to. I mean, Aronson's running around looking like peak cacao on this day. Like, he's just <laughs> running around causing Gomez all kinds of problems. I think he deliberately pins onto Gomez and goes, "I'm you're my man today. I'm going to give you an, the, the roughest day possible. This was um, this was without Sinistera, by the way, who's probably yeah. been the best player this season. It, it, I think, you know what, Ellis made... It's actually hit me like a tidal wave. That one comment of Mike, what you're saying is maybe that push to equalize is the max that this Liverpool have as a level. I don't think that they haven't got a second win to 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 beat a team after coming going behind. I don't think it's in this team, honestly. Yeah. And athletically, we we don't look so. You know that this Liverpool team, the old Liverpool team, when they used to get level in the game, they would just smell blood and like almost like they'd go up a level physically. This Liverpool team that we're watching now hasn't got another level to go up physically. I think most teams we play against are more athletic, more dynamic than us. I mean, they outrun us every week. They outrun us. They're quicker, they're stronger, they're more athletic, they're fitter. We don't look that fit and strong. The only teams we look really fit and strong against is, is funny enough, the teams we play in Europe, like Rangers and and Ajax and and, and even Napoli, I think they match us fairly well physically. So, we haven't got that edge. And one of the things people would hate, whenever I used to talk to my friends about like playing us, it's like, oh, you're going to press us so intense. We have none of that now. None of that. 
It's just a really slow and old team. Well, I mean, we need to look at the goal in detail, right? Somerville, who I have, I've kind of been noticing the past few weeks, whenever he came on for Leeds, he'd like inject some quality, beat one or two men, get shot off. It's like there was, there was something loading there with Somerville, but this was really his big explosion of a moment. Um, boys, describe the goal to me. Describe how you interpreted each player involved and and how we could have avoided it at, at so many different levels. I want to start this by saying I watched this game with Harold, so I was at his place watching the game, and I told him the lead lad that came on, it was making his debut, the lad, wasn't he? Who, some, no, Harold. some of them wasn't making his debut. No, no, the, the guy that passes it, the guy that passes it into. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll say, I said to Howard when he came on, he's going to do something. Yeah. Just wait and see, yeah. he's going to do something. Yeah. And the fact he's able to get that across through Munro and Jones, despite the fact that they're so close to him, is to me just insane. It's just insane that he. He had back to goal, you know. He couldn't. He shouldn't even have been able to wriggle out of that. By the at way, at all. That should be. That's just one of those that should go out for a throw on, and we're not talking about it right now. It should just be throw on Liverpool start the plays to play again. He gets it through that gap. Yeah. Van Dyke's flat footed and his body shape's completely wrong. Yeah. He's too slow to get out. Bamford's peeled off him and set Bamford takes another bad touch, by the way. Yeah. Balloons Bamford, up. Yeah. But Somerville's right next to him. So he's Somerville kind of takes over and just smashes it with his left foot. And Allison probably should do better. But yeah. Allison's confused for two reasons. Number one, he thinks Bamford's the one's gonna take the shot, but then Bamford takes a bad touch. And number two, Somerville, I don't think he's left-footed. Somerville takes it very quickly on his left foot and Allison's not really set. I mean, he obviously should do better, but I mean, the, the main mistakes are the Van, the Van Dyke mistake of being so flat-footed and also just, just the cross should not go in in the first place. There's no even, way that even, cross should go in. It should have. Even when the ball's come into Van Dyke and he's flat-footed, I still expect him to put his body in there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, I'm just very tight Guys, we're forgetting also that Van Dyke has two chances because what you said, Mike, Somerville first takes one touch before yeah. he hits it with the outside of his foot. So you've got one touch, which the striker has decided to take for you to have that split second to move across. And you still don't. And I don't know where that level of, it's either arrogance or delusion to think that a striker, just because, you, it, it's literally an aura moment from Van Dyke. Like he thinks there's no way this striker is going to dare to shoot if I'm that close to him. But he does. And and he just creeps it under Allison. I think Allison, he takes it really early. So it's a good hit from Somerville. But I mean, it, Ellis, what what is Van Dyke thinking at that moment? Yeah, and that's what I was, I was trying to think. I, I was looked at the goal after I looked at it twice. And it's like, you know when you try and chest the ball, but you're not too close to the ball, so you just like do that little air pump chest thing, and that's what he's trying to do. I'm thinking, bro, get across him, like put your foot out across him. You have to, you have to stop. Even if you can't get a contact, you have to like put him off because you put him off. He's not on his strongest foot. He's gonna um, hit on the side of his foot and he's gonna go wide. But you don't, you don't do anything. You allow him to set himself. You allow him to get that touch in and the quick finish. Um, I think Van Dijk was just too close to not do anything and it was very disappointing to see that he didn't really make a, a concerted effort to do something, do you know what I'm saying? And and, and I think also, El, like we know Van Dijk is, is such an intelligent footballer and defender, yes. right? So, yes. so sometimes if a man has the ball and they, 
a lot of other fans or whatever think he should engage. Van Dijk won't because he's thinking about the other men that if I go and engage, I might expose another player to make it an easy pass and they'll score. But bro, Somerville is four yards out of goal. There is no other option you need to cut off here. You need to engage in that one. You have to engage. You need to just cut him off. You need to put your your leg in front of him. Van Dijk, he's a big lad. So if Somerville in a corner of eye can see Van Dijk's come, he's rushing that shot. And when you rush the shot, you're not going to score. But because Van Van Dijk has stood off him, he's had a lot of time to set himself and he's had a lot of time to to think about how he's going to hit it and he hits it very well. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Yeah, and um, ultimately that that leads to, um, excuse the pun, um, the kind of, you know, end of the record, as we say. And I mean, I've, I've said this. Over. I've said this to you guys before, man. I feel, I'm, maybe I'm just, I've got the ick with Liverpool at the moment. But bro, I feel like Klopp, I see Klopp doing a new interview in different clothes every four hours. Honestly, I just feel like I don't really want to hear it. I don't, not because I'm angry with Klopp, but there's just nothing I need to hear about Liverpool right now. Um, so ultimately, we're all miserable. We're all questioning how good the old times were, how much we hate the current players, blah, blah, blah. Um, but as we know, with this schedule that we're in, the games come thick and fast. So we um, we have to play Napoli. But by the way, sorry, I've just remembered, I'm extra pissed off because Chelsea didn't win. And we, we should have tried to make up ground on these teams that keep, by the way, on a weekly basis, giving us an opportunity to to get back into Champions League position. Oh, my gosh, Mush. When I saw the Chelsea result, I was thinking we're going to come on here, crack a few jokes at Bab's expense, (laughs) you know, have a good time. And I'm just thinking, oh. It's so disappointing, man. It's disappointing when when your rivals drop points and you don't, you know, capitalise on it. It just makes it even worse. And they've lost drop points to Brighton, which, to be fair, I, I think Brighton one of those teams where you can put under the category of it happens. Yeah, yeah Brighton yeah. and Newcastle, if you drop points to them, listen, it's not ideal, but it happens. Leeds and Notts Forest, I mean, twentieth and nineteenth, brother, yeah, back to back as well. It's just it's egregious in every single sense of that word. It's so yeah. bad. You can't you can't be losing you can't be losing to those teams at all. You cannot be losing to those teams. And do you know what? Do you know what kills me as well when you think about it? It's not even like the losses against... They're not even unlucky defeats. It's just like, against Leeds, Leeds deserve to win the game. And against Nottingham Forest, we they deserve to win the game. Like, we're, not, we're not getting unlucky here. We are just losing to bad teams. We are, a, we are playing terribly at the moment. 
Oh man. Oh yeah, and um, I mean, ultimately, this is it's weird because I can't believe where my line of questioning is about to go, but all of this nonsense that's going on in the Premier League is sneakily bringing out some really good Champions League performances from this team. <laughs> I don't know if that's making me sick or I'm excited. I don't know what any of this means. But I, I'm starting to think, tell me if I'm mad, but this is feeling like that Rafa Champions League era we were in, where the league was so hit and miss and we draw to Hull and the week after Real Madrid come and we beat them. And what is it? Is it just heritage? What is it about the Champions League that brings out the best of whatever the group of players has within them that they're not producing on a weekly basis in the league? You know, is I think, like Mike said, I think it's just the intensity that even though our intensity is low for the Premier League in, the, in Europe, they're not used to it. Um, Napoli today, they were very intense, to be fair. They were very, they were pressing a lot. But I just think we have this could cope with that level of intensity. Um, in the league, it's like the English teams are fitter, fitter, they're stronger, they're bigger, they're quicker, do you know what I'm saying? And I don't think we can cope right now with that. But when we get to Europe, yeah, they can't really hack it or we can match them uh, bar for bar. So I, I, I think that's where we're having a bit of fortune. Obviously, now we're in the second stage, we're going to face better teams who can match us for intensity and have better quality on the ball. So our luck might run out. Might you know what it is? It's hard to read too much into our Champions League form just because of the teams we played. Yeah, so Rangers are just yeah. a fundamentally poor team, right? So Rangers aren't a team you can read or draw to make conclusions from those games. Ajax are an interesting team because they try and play out against you. They try and play open football. The difference between us and them is we have the killers in the final third. So we have Nunes, we have Salah. Um, they don't have those kind of players in the final third. So if you want to go toe-to-toe with us, and we do that last week and they get that 20-minute spell of the first half where they're really, really playing well. But when we don't take the chances in that spell and we and the game is still this kind of open contest, we have the players and Salah showed up with his goal to open up the game that can kill you. Um, so I think that the way games are shaped up in the Premier League is completely different because I feel like a lot of time in the Premier League, certainly in the last two weeks, we we're playing against teams that don't really have much of an interest in, well, Leeds did actually, but not Forest didn't have an interest in, 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 in any way, shape or form in terms of like coming out. It was more about how do we stop Liverpool and then how can we come out as a result of that. So I think the dynamic in, in Europe does help us slightly in that we are playing a bit more front-footed teams. Napoli today, that's probably the most impressive performance of the group stage, but not like, it wasn't super impressive. Just given the quality of the opposition, they did post some threats with the lad on the left. I didn't have to pronounce his name, but he's he's a top, top talent, by the way. Um, they did pose us problems and we kind of dealt with them okay and then kind of like offered some kind of threat in the final third with, it wasn't consistent. It wasn't like, they weren't clear patterns of play, but we did kind of offer some bits in the final third. Um, so yeah, I ultimately think it's more about the shape of the games and 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 maybe athletically we do have a bit too much for like an Ajax or or, uh, or Rangers and then Napoli might match up with us. But um, as we showed today, we can kind of ride with a storm against them and then obviously hit them with a sucker punch with um, Salah and Nunes. Yeah, uh, I mean, going into that game and Mike, I ultimately I love this kid so much. I've learned his name. So Kabarach Kelia, right? He... 
I mean, it didn't take long, did it? Within about 20 seconds, he'd not made Trent and, and, and started rampaging towards our the remaining defenders. Bloody hell. I mean, I, he didn't he, he didn't do anything too decisive in the game. But when he got the ball, I felt like the same excitement I felt in 2016 when Mane signed for us. And yeah. that explosion of, oh my God, like this guy is on toast who he's up against. You got the sense that like Anfield kind of knew he was a special player as well. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know when the player's on the well. ball and it's this kind of like hush silence when you're on the ball, you're thinking... What's he gonna do? What's he gonna do, sort of thing? And you're kind of like watching, not not in awe. You're kind of watching, like, yeah, you know, he's a good player. I got a sense watching the game from the TV that that's how Anfield felt about him, and it says a lot about him as as a player. Like he's only 21. I think him and the lad from um, Shakhtar Donetsk, Mudrik, are the two yeah, kind of, like, up and coming wingers that everyone's looking at. I would say that he's got he, from what I've seen so far, he looks like he's got more in tight spaces. Mudrik reminds me a lot of Bale in that when it's open space, he's killing you absolutely killing you but maybe you know, I need to see more from him in those little tight contests where it's like you haven't got much space to operate I mean, my, one thing I definitely learned today is Faraj Kalia in that first three four yards oh my goodness the acceleration is insane Bro. insane he's just oh going past my and you know what do you know what what makes him so good as well he can go either way so if you show him down the line, he's like, okay, fair enough, I'll go down the line. If you show him inside, he'll come and take a shot. And he's got a solid shot on him as well. He's got a very, very yeah. good technique, very good shot on him. There's a real player in there. The one yeah. thing I would want him to improve is that off-ball movement. Yeah. Because I think he's someone that wants it to feet constantly. And I worry about those kind of players because I want that bit in behind. Like, can you offer me that? Because how are you going to score your, your goals? How are you going to turn it from a 15-goal player to a 30-goal player is making those runs in behind? But I think, I think he's one of those because he has so much quality on the ball. He wants it to feed. He wants to go and drive at you. Yeah, and I think it was easy for Trent towards so after he's obviously the first like twenty minutes because he was always coming to feet. So apparently yeah. it'd be easier for. Him. But if he kept on, if Napoli kept on playing in behind, it would have given us a long, a long day in it because obviously Trent doesn't really want to turn back all the time. So um, yeah, he's dangerous though. That first five minutes, I was scared. I was scared. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lie, I was scared. I thought, oh, it's going to be a long day, man. But, what, do, uh, what do you think? I mean, the market is crazy, right? What, what? I mean, even though this, ultimately, this kid's appeared from nowhere, had about 15 good, 10 good games and, and, and kind of got this reputation now, but that's all it takes nowadays. If you were to try and snoop him in the summer, how, how much do you think, um, do you think prizes him away from? That's now? a 50, 60 million pound player right there. And the Napoli, the Napoli chairman, he's, he's known. De Laurentiis, right? Yeah, De Laurentiis. He's worse than Daniel Levy and he will tax you. Like, if you want to commentate this guy, he's going to very. How much did they sell uh, Kulabali for? And they sold Kulabali for like 60 million or something. Yeah, it was a lot for his age as well. For, for his age. So imagine if they're selling Kulabali for that much. This this kid who looks like he could be a world beater. Um, I know um, Fabio Capello, I think he compared him to Salah. He said, "Yeah, he's he's that kind of level of excitement, you know." When Fabio nah, Salah he's more Hazard than Salah for me. He's more who? Hazard. Nah, he's not. He's not. He's not silky enough. Do you think I'm? I'm stuck here. I yeah, just I, see. I, I see him as. I see him as 2016 Mane. Honestly, that's the player I see. Really like, outright. Yeah, yeah I, I, he's very direct. He's very head down. He's I don't think he's got a Hazard like. Obviously, Hazard, like, low sense of gravity, shifting either way really, really quickly. 
But in terms of the ability to go both sides and the close control and pace, yeah, he reminds me of like Hazard. I don't think he's as clever. Team. That's the thing. I don't think he's, he's as... Not, he's not. He Hazard was... Flick around the corner. Hazard, Hazard was a very good passer of the ball as well. I'm not sure. It's not fair. He's still very much in the infancy yeah. of his career, but I don't think he's that yet. Yeah. And uh, Hazard had this thing where he can... He'll hold you up. Yeah, yeah. The body strength. Was, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bunda, bunda. Even, even like he can just hold up the ball. Is he going to go down? Is he going to go down? Is he going down the wing? Is he going to come inside? I'm not too sure. What he's gonna do? This kid can do that, but he's just very more direct. He's just very more direct with it. So if he's gonna go down the wing, he's going down the wing. You know what I'm saying? There's no unpredictable nature yet in his game. I think with more with more game time, with more experience, that will come. But having said that, he's he's someone that yeah, he's he's scary man. He's got a lot of potential in him. Yeah, and um, ultimately, like like you guys have said, I've just written here. It was a fun game. It was it was such a weird game because the quality of the game for what was essentially a dead rubber was actually a really good quality game. Like, there was good... It was an intense game. There were fouls. There were... There was, a, you know, sweeping attacks. There was pressing. But it, it also looked like the... And, and I remember uh, Ian Dark, the commentator, asking, you know, Steve McManaman do you think this has been a positive performance to Liverpool? And, and McManaman made a bit of a groan and he was like, you know, no it's, sense, it's, 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 it, yeah, but he, his point was it's easy to have this performance when there's nothing on the line, which yes. I think holds some weight here, right? So how much do you think this was a positive performance because Liverpool played well and how much was it just the shackles are off and they could enjoy it because there was nothing at stake for once? Um, coming off the back of a defeat, and you're still at home, you want to win. Do you know what I'm saying? So Liverpool had a point to prove. Um, Why did Napoli care about winning so much, by the way? Like, bro, you guys have won momentum, this momentum, like, They right were now. mad, passionate and angry. And it's good, but why did they care so much? Do you know what it is for me? Mm-hmm. I think it's, sorry to cut you off there, Ellis. I think it's two things. It's momentum for them. It's also like a big scout. Yeah. So people still treat us as though we're Liverpool that almost won the quadruple. Royalty, in it. Royalty. So you come to Anfield and get a win. That's a huge... That's making the back pages of all the newspapers in Italy. All the front pages, maybe, as well. Mm. So for them, it's a big opportunity to get, like, a big win at Anfield. And they hadn't lost a game in 20-odd games coming into this game. So they yeah. fancy Protect their the run kind of thing. Protect the run. And they fancy their chances um, because they, they beat us up at, in Napoli. We, we are wounded animal. So they, they they smell blood, and uh, I think that's and also they they sorry they would have become the first Italian team to win six on a trot. No one's oh, done nice. that before. So um, that was also playing in their mind, and it's just yeah, like Mike Mike said, it's momentum. They just wanted to keep on going, keep on winning. So that's why they were pretty more. They were really intense. They were really really intense. Yeah, and I mean. <sighs> It's weird because I normally I'd, I'd probably do the analysis of what happened in the first half, what happened in the second half, but kind of the game was very much before Nunes came on versus after Nunes kind of um, after Nunes came on. So before Nunes came on and and the game kind of had the same flow throughout the game. Did you see? Did you guys think there were any kind of strong performances or anyone you were particularly impressed with how how they were playing? Uh, Fabinho, he looked like he was coming back to what we know him to do. He was breaking up play, giving all those tactical fouls. 
apart from the one where they got a goal disallowed, um, that was a bit of a silly foul, but he had a lot of tactical fouls in it. Yeah, use of the ball was good as well. For yeah, his use of the ball was good. Apart from that, I wasn't really moved too well. Um, I thought our passing was pretty poor tonight. I thought it was really bad. Touches as well. Like for, uh, Firmino, whose touch is so assured, it was bubbling up. Even Thiago, some of his passing touches were a bit too heavy, which was... Um, I thought I thought yeah. Thiago looked really immobile today, bro. He like, really leggy. He yeah, leggy. like it felt like he only received it in a standing position, and then would yeah. have to get his whole body moving rather than receiving it on the run. Kind yeah, of. the goal. Yeah, I, well, he done that one time, and you had a counter attack. But apart from that, I didn't see him do it much. Um, yeah, I, I thought Bobby was just running on fumes towards the end. He looked really leggy. Yeah, lots of starts really, in a row for Bob now. Was, yeah. Konate, obviously Konate coming back. He yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. Rusty. Yeah, he was rusty, but he dealt with Osman very well. Um, Osman doesn't really want to. No offense to Gomez, but like this, this use like big black Osman doesn't really want to face that. <laughs> Osman would have given Gomez a bad, a bad day, bro. A bad day. Bad day. Bad day. One so, what, as soon as Gomez loses loses one duel against Osman, his head's, head's gone. gone. Head's gone. Head's gone. And, and I, I think as well, um, this is the kind of battle that Konate is a good way of reintroducing him into the team yeah. it's a bit bread and butter it's like a hit class like yeah. it's a bread and butter he's he Osimhen is is all about physicality he's not going to be you know dropping off and, and and doing something clever with a pass or anything like that it's just like here here get 90 minutes of physicality and in, into your legs kind of and, thing and it was really good for him it was really good because I think he really relished that battle that battle was really good um Osimhen was giving him as as good as he was getting, so um, well, I mean, he kept falling to the floor every time he got near Van Dyke, so <laughs> that was a bit annoying, but yeah, I think for the for the two center backs, it was a good, it was a decent performance for them. No, 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 it was good, they got a clean sheet, it was a good performance. I mean, they they kind of cage us against the highest scorers in Europe. I mean, that counts for something, it, so. it does count for it does count for something, um, yeah. So, apart from that, I wasn't really moved by a lot of performance, I was moved after the Nunes when the young kids came on there was a little bit of pattern of play yeah yeah that's when I that's when I dropped in the group just did a little bit of eyes with that Ramsey little turn I I liked it I liked that even the Ramsey the little Ramsey performance was decent I I, I liked that Um, yeah seeing those kids come on uh, Cavalier had a chance he should have done better there Um, so yeah that that was kind of nice to see that and obviously when they came on no, we scored before they came on, before the kids came on. But yeah, we scored. But Nunes coming more direct. He was getting in behind. He's giving the defenders something to think about. That's what, going back to the Nunes, that's what I like about him because he gives people something to think about. I mean, he's good in the air. Again, we've said that he's rapid on the floor. So we are stretching the game a little bit more, which we, which we needed. So we're getting a bit more space uh, when he came on. And and Mike, I think I think one thing as well about Nunes, which is really good, or yeah, which is really good, is bro, Nunes is the only attacker we have fit enough and young enough to run back and help our midfield defend as well. He'll run back fifty yards, win the ball for us, and then either use the ball to go on the attack or just offload it and start dashing his way up the pitch as well. I mean, surely that is what we as Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool are meant to be built on. Yeah, I think Salah's done that at times this season as well. I think there are a few the Everton game stands out to me. And there's definitely one, I think, in the game against Ajax at Anfield where he tracks back as well. So both of them do it to to, to be fair to them. Um it's probably not 
what we want them doing, actually, when you think about it. I don't want my forward running back 70 yards to make a tackle. I want him kind of reserving his energies to do bits in, in the final third. And probably a lot of the time when you watch the clip of Nunes running back, he's sprinting past Thiago and Fabinho. <laughs> sprinting past Thiago and Fabinho like they're running in, in quicksand to try and get back. <laughs> they're both just so slow. So I think, if anything, it speaks to our lack of physicality in other areas that they're having to do so much tracking back. Um, because I don't think Klopp wants Nunes to be doing 70-yard sprints back into our defence to to win the ball. But I think it's a good thing that, and, and I think what Nunes embodies that only maybe Robertson does at the moment is that kind of intensity and desire. And like I, I posted a clip the other day of um, Martinez, um, the United lad, um, because the one thing that I think other teams have over us is that just pure intensity and desire to win. I don't think we have that anymore. I feel, I feel like we we just don't have, in some games, we just, just don't feel that intensity for some players. And it could be just it's, it's a lack of confidence. I'm not accusing the players in terms of character here. It's just more, I don't see that fight. And I do think Nunes is just, the reason we all love Nunes, like someone tweeted from the account today about the um, Nunes and the big toes thing. Um, I made a joke in the group chat first, by the way. Um, <laughs> I was taking full credit for that joke. But um that's how we, we, we like him because he just he makes you feel something. Um, he's just a brilliant player, man. Like I, I love the guy already. Brings the feeling, man. That's he's, that's he's restoring the feeling. Forget all this. Listen, people talk about Messi restoring the feeling, Neymar restoring the feeling. Nunes is the one bringing the beautiful game back. Restoring <laughs> the feeling. Nunes you know, is here bringing, to save our bringing game. the purest form of the game back. Nunes 100%. is the Classic same number guy nine. you would meet on a Sunday league pitch, yeah, who wants it the most. He's the same guy. He's, he is, he is, um, yeah, man, you can just see it, you can see it by the effort he puts in, he just keeps on going, keeps on running in behind, yeah, that's what, that's what we need, and I think that's where, obviously, not gonna, we're not going to talk about transfer, but that's where we got it wrong, obviously, because the players that you have, they've reached the pinnacle, and unfortunately, they're only two games away from the pinnacles of all pinnacles. And you hit a mental barrier. You hit a mental barrier. So then now you've you're you're still thinking about that, mm-hmm. and you're coming into this season. Your head's still gone. You're trying to like g yourself up to get to that. We like let's say four out of the eleven shouldn't be playing. You know what I'm saying? We need new fresh blood, and that's what Nunes is showing. That new fresh blood. I'm here to make a name for myself, kind of thing. So that's why we like it because he's trying to make a name for himself, and he's making a name for himself. I mean, he scored in the last last three games, or no, sorry, last three Champions League games, or something crazy like that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, then, yeah, man, more grease to his elbow, man. Yeah, I think, um, I think, I think that's going to be the the big thing here, and and I think this kind of ties in well with the question I'm asking. If if this team has so much in terms of disappointment, trauma, exhaustion, mental fatigue, all of those things are interchangeable in terms of how you can kind of use them as words. Surely these younger players, the likes of Ramsey who finally played and and the likes of Carvalho and, you know, um, Harvey Elliott, they are probably more important than we realise in terms of just offering them the fact that they've got no damage from from the season that's just gone, surely they've got to be integral to changing the culture of what's going on in the team at the moment. Most definitely. Most definitely. And it's unfortunate that they're just a little bit too young. 
like Ramsey's what 19 yeah and Carvalho like 19 20 had they been like 22 like the Nunes age yeah, yeah. we would have seen a better Liverpool. Before. Like that Saka, that Saka kind of age. Yeah, oh, I mean Saka is still young. Saka is like 20, 2021. 20, oh but, God, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> can't believe that. So good. I know, I know he's so good and he's, he's playing well. You know what I'm saying? He's only twenty twenty one. But had they been like between twenty two and twenty four, we would definitely see a different Liverpool because it's again, like I said, these are players that are coming in and they want to make a name for themselves. They're coming to the best team. Well, what was the best team? One of the best teams um, in the world, and you put your hair playing, and you want to make a name for yourself. The old guys, they they they're starting to slow down, so it's now your turn to step up. Um, so it's unfortunate that just a bit. But hey, football man, football doesn't doesn't care for age at all. If you're 17, you're good enough. You're gonna play. So hopefully, we'll see more of them in the coming weeks. And and do you know what? Completely kind of using that statement, but going to the other side of that spectrum, age does not matter. Really, really applied today, Mike, to a Mr. James Milner, who Mm. I thought in the first half was cooking with that ball at his feet. What did you think of James Milner's performance today? That that was like a James Milner Aston Villa performance, midfielder all action. Bro, feet, feet as well, tight areas when he turned. Tight areas, good feet, reverse passes, decent crosses in the box. Like he was genuinely like, it was an all action performance um, in that first first half. And it was a shame he went off because he's actually like, I feel like Milner's one of those players that we are using, or not we as a a group of of three here, but maybe fans in general are using to kind of say how bad our transfer policy is, how can he still be at the club? But realistically, whenever he's actually played this season, I, I, I'm sure there are some bad performances badly, in man. there. I'm sure there's some bad performances in there, but like he's been fine, man. Like he's just he's just is what he is. He's a 38 year old guy who comes in whenever he and whenever he does, really, he doesn't really let us down too much, man. So I wasn't. Bro, he, he was our best player against Forest, by the way, yeah, by a million he, miles at right back. Yeah, he was. He was. He was great against City as well. Like he's a. He's 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 a dependable squad player. And he always shows that whenever he plays. And and that's the thing with him. Like Milner shouldn't be playing the amount of games he's playing. Do you know what I'm saying? Milner should be a one in every two three weeks. And um, and I will show you. I assure you that when he does play in those one two three weeks, he's gonna drop a classic. You know what I'm saying it's just unfortunate that Liverpool didn't get their shit together, and he has to play it as many games as he probably doesn't even want to play. Do you know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? He's at 37, 38, 36. I don't think he wants to play like every other week. But today he was very dependable, man. Even in the defensive side, he was dependable. With what his feet, he was dependable. Uh, he wasn't really given the Napoli midfield any any chance to like play. Um, today, and Grisa, um what's the Slovakian's name? Uh, Lobotka. Yeah, Lobotka. And uh, and Nobele, they didn't have that much time to you know do their silky stuff. They didn't have that much time to bop us as much. And that's all that stems from you know the first trigger of, of Milner, that organizing, controlling, dominating the midfield. Um, so he, he done well. He done well. I can't I can't knock him, man. And when people do criticize him, bro, the only thing I can say is he's thirty six. What do you want from him, man? It's not <laughs> It's, exactly. You know what I'm saying? It's not his fault. He's 36. This is the best you're going to get. So He he doesn't pick himself. That's the thing. The, That's Milner, the thing. Milner never <laughs> plays badly. It's yeah. that is that his legs. That first thing you said at the start of the pod, Ellis, 
James Milner just does not have the physical capability to execute no. what he knows he should do anymore. And that's got nothing to do with him. The, the football club bloody test him all year round to see if he's capable of playing. So they keep playing him. But it's never, if James Milner, I bet if, if the board sat James Milner down and said, James, thank you so much. In January, we'll be moving you on. Um, because, yeah, he'd literally be like, cool, no problem. <laughs> and he'd go become captain of Leeds and they'd stay up. That, that's yeah, what he, that's, that's, what that's how that's how it is. As I, like, like you said, Mosley, like, he doesn't say to Klopp, I'm playing, I want to play. Like, he knows what he is, he knows where he is. Um, but when he does, he's just one of those guys who's just going to, okay, if that's what you want to do, I'm going to do it. And he does it. Do you know what's funny? Apart from Henderson, he probably is our most athletic midfielder. That's the scary part. Because I'm That's not going to disagree with that at all. Genuinely, like, whenever he comes on and plays games for some midfield, I'm like, right, he can still... Like, he's, he's moving a bit more than, like, Thiago can. <laughs> listen, listen, 30 yards, over 40, 50 yards, sorry, he is blowing... He is blowing Harvey Elliott, Thiago, Fabinho away. out away. the water. Jones, Jones out the well. water. Away, bro. He's blowing them away. Well, today he got to the byline. Yeah. I, I never seen Thiago get to the byline. <laughs> remember that? I remember that as well because he kind of pointed as well. Like, look, yeah, put, put like, me in there. In the yeah, yeah, exactly. And Thiago tried it today, actually. Tried to give him go and he couldn't get there. <laughs> he didn't have the strength. There was one moment, yeah, and Gisa did a bad touch and Thiago could, come, could have come and steal in, yeah? Bro, and he could have knocked it forward <laughs> to break. And then he basically just touched it and won the foul because he was like, nah, I'm not getting away from Angisa. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Anyway, um, do you know what? I'm actually a lot happier and a lot more optimistic from the things we're talking about than I thought. And that's why this club is a sickness, you know, because I've seen us lose to 19th and 20th in the past two weeks and I still have belief. But I guess the only thing I can leave you boys with is just a fundamental question of what do... And we know we're having a shocking season. I don't want to start saying all we need is a 15-game run and we're back in looking at titles and stuff like that. What can Liverpool expect from the remaining season? And what should they be aiming for that we as fans, you think, would be would be happy with in terms of objectives this season? I think the focus now, I mean, obviously the league is gone. So the focus for us now has to be the cup competitions and a top four finish. And what is at the top four for me, I think, is a is a big ask, um, given where we are. Really? I just think there is Newcastle in the picture for me, given that they play one game a week and Spurs are crap. I'll tell you that now. Spurs, Spurs are crap. They are really bad, but they have they have still won games while playing badly and, and the narrative around their season is the idea that it's going to turn around. They might start playing well and they might start clicking. Who knows? But the point is they're 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 ahead of us by I think ten points. Mm-hmm. Chelsea are ahead of us by I think four or five. Arsenal look well set to make the top four. City obviously will make the top four. United, so like, United are actually quite consistent. United are consistent, looking good, improving on the Ten Hag. So I think already you're talking about four, five or six teams ahead of us. Most of them playing well, most of them hitting some rhythm, hitting some form. If not, they're playing better than us, certainly. So, like, we're, having, we're probably going to have to rely on some of those teams regressing and us picking up form. Um, and look, top four is not insurmountable. It's not unachievable for us. It just is an art. It, it would be a slightly big ask at this stage, given how we're playing. But that should be the target. And the Cups, I think the Cups are useful for us because 
there's like a real the, the league games. I don't think we're enjoying league games at the moment. Like the club don't look like they're enjoying the ebb and flow of a league season. The mm. constant the constant flow of those league games coming through. The team just aren't enjoying them. They're losing games. They're drawing games. They haven't. They're making mistakes in these league games. I think the cups might offer us some like respite, and then we might go on some escapism, isn't it? Just some escape, you know, go on an adventure. The cup runs, the cups are their own little things, right? So you can have your little adventure. If the League Cup draw goes well, you could be playing in the final in, you know, March time, whenever the final is this year. So yeah, like, you know, let's see what happens. But I think those should be the aims. Whether they're achievable or not depends for me a lot on what happens in January, because I don't think this team, the current squad could get top four. I I, I would love to see it. But I don't think it could. I think we need reinforcements in, in January, partly because... We have so many injury-prone players. Even you could argue we need another forward. Like I think we need probably someone a forward who can play number ten and and number nine. Maybe I don't I don't know. But we look light in the forward areas. All of a sudden, we look light. In, we have looked light in midfield for like a few seasons now in terms of just robust players who can play every week. So unless we do something in January, I don't see how we can achieve the targets we want to achieve. We just look like we need some reinforcements badly. But like I said, cups top four. Those should be the ones we should try and get. Let's uh, let's see. Let's see if if you're right and we can go on a little Rafa Benitez type type journey this season because I wouldn't bet against these players. But right now, unless we get reinforcements in, we will end up in McDonald's. <laughs> How about you, Els? Yeah, same really. Um, top four should be our aim right now. Uh, the league's too it's too far away from us, so we should be looking to get into the top four. Um, I do agree with what you and Mike have said in regards to the other teams. Um, but I don't, know, I don't know if Newcastle have it in them to just be that consistent. I don't know if Eddie Howe has it in him. I don't think Newcastle are aiming for it. Speaking, I, that's, I just think Newcastle. But you know what it is? Yeah, it reminds me of Leicester. You know when Leicester will just kind of just end up there. Yeah. All yeah, of yeah, a sudden, yeah. you're talking about like you're in you're in March. Leicester is still kind of fifth or sixth. They're just still lurking there. I just think they I might. I think it enough. messes up. It messes up their trajectory, though. I think. I think getting Champions League too early, which sounds yeah. Awful. But I think they'll be there or thereabouts, is what I'm saying. They'll be like no, no, definitely. They'll be somewhere between fourth and seventh, and we we at the moment look a level below them in terms of performance level and consistency. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, th- I think there's there is a lot of teams ahead of us currently playing better than us, and they look better than us. But I still believe that. You know, Do you think that Champions League thing holds up, Ellis, in terms of what? What Mike's kind of said of teams in the Champions League are still looking at us as mighty seven time, six time Champions League winning Liverpool. Do you think that that facade can can carry us in the knockouts as well? I think it can. I think it can. That, that teams will still respect us. They saw us last season. Uh, maybe this season we're not playing well. I think. Um, the Napoli coach came out and said like he doesn't care what Liverpool done in the season, like they're still dangerous and we are still dangerous and it's just that can we be as consistent? But um I think it still holds up, man. I think teams teams respect us. I, I think if we can go on a good Champions League run, grab one of the cups and finish top four from this position we are now, it will be a good season. It will be a very good no, not very good, but it will be a good season. Yeah, a good salvage of the season. Yeah, it'll be, all yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Well, I hope that was uh, everything that kind of satisfied the appetite. Those of you Reds who are listening, I hope you've got something to to kind of look forward to. Those of you who are the ops, you got a bit of pain with it as well. So um, thank you very much for tuning in. 
Ellis, Mike, thank you very much. And join us again next week and keep an eye on everything that's going on in terms of the Patreon, plenty of post-matches, got plenty of shows coming in there. And we hope to see you soon. Thank you very much. Sports Social Podcast Network.